hear God's word from Hebrews chapter 7. For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He was first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was, to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi, who received the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though they are also descended from Abraham. So this man who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and, and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection has been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, the way Psalm 10 talks about, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. In connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witness of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one, uh, this one was made a priest by, with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son has been made perfect forever. 
it is a struggle to believe. A struggle uh, to believe the gospel, uh, to hold to where Christ uh, calls us to believe in Christianity with all the challenges that we face, uh, outside pressures, and even just the reality of our own lives. There's, there's many reasons that it's a, it's a struggle to believe, uh, but one of those is just that, that we can't do it. Um, that you can't do it, uh, that I can't do it, that we often find ourselves and just feel stuck. Uh, stuck in the same actions that we wish we could stop doing, uh, but we find ourselves there again, again, hurting the same people, um, acting the same way. Sometimes we just feel like we're in the same patterns of failure, and when we think maybe we're out, then we, we see ourselves there again. Uh, we, we just can't do it. It's a struggle, because God requires, uh, for his acceptance and in his life, God requires perfection. Right, God's, God's law summed up is, is love God and love your neighbor. Love God with your whole heart, whole soul, mind, and, and strength. Um, still, still working on that one. Um, loving others as your neighbor. Uh, love, loving your neighbors as yourself. Uh, loving, loving other people the way I, I love myself far better than I love uh, most anyone. Um, the, the God requires perfection. He requires, in one sense, the way it feels, He requires perfect per- perfection. Um, better than I can speak. Um, perfect perfection. Um, and with, without that type of perfection, there's no, there's no hope. Um, we're, we're stuck. Uh, we're, feels like we're only passing the time until the inevitable um, of, of death or God's full rejection of us. And it feels like maybe we might as well do um, enjoy whatever pleasure we can, we can get now uh, and stop pretending that we can do something that we can't do. That's how it feels oftentimes to us. It's the uh, reality of what we, what we live in. Um, and, and maybe we feel like we should just reject God altogether anyway. Um, because if I, can't, if I can't get and do what he's, he's saying is required, um, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Maybe that feels, feels too gloomy. I mean, some days, some days are better than others. Uh, some days you, you see ways where you're, you're reaching out and you're loving people. You're a good friend. Uh, maybe you're a good neighbor. Or you're just a good, good student in your classes. Or you find yourself reading the Bible, learning from it, hearing something about Jesus, uh, learning about God, changing your behavior, uh, thinking, thinking about Jesus during the day, talking about him, and you're encouraged, and you're, 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 you're wanting to speak about it. You're reaching out to others. You have a, have a heart of love, and you feel God's, God's work in you. And there's, there's those good days, but, but those aren't all the days. Um, and sometimes it feels like the other days outweigh... Um, Outweigh the good ones. And it doesn't help to just be told, you just have to believe. Uh, you're, struggling, you're struggling to believe all this, and you're seeing, it feels like it's impossible. Um, and so it's told, well, you just have to believe more. Um, I mean, you can, you can just try to believe a lot of things. You can just believe really hard that you're able to fly off of a building. And if you believe that hard enough, uh, me and some other people are going to come get you and, 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 and take her at you so that you're locked up in a mental institution where you're not going to hurt yourself, right? Um, if you're believing something that's not true, that's impossible, then like, that's, that's the sign of like, mental illness and pain, uh, uh, whatever. It's not, it's not helpful. Um, it's not just having to believe stronger. I'm going to say, why should we struggle? Uh, why should we struggle to believe if it's impossible? How could we uh, be accepted by God? Uh, and how can we have more than just, just the present enjoyment uh, that we maybe can get to live for? 
Well, here's and there's several things you could say for why uh, to struggle. Here's here's the main reason why we should struggle to believe is because we can't do it. Uh, because we can't do it, but there's one who has done it and who has done it for us. And the struggle to believe is a struggle to rely on him uh, instead of ourselves, to rely on what he's done instead of what we can't do. That's our natural tendency to, to trust ourselves. I don't I have a hard time trusting, trusting anybody. I want to trust only ourselves. Right? Some of y'all are experiencing this right now as you're playing the game Assassins. And people are telling you things, and you're like, uh-huh, yes, yeah, sure. Like, I'm not going to trust anyone. It's all it's a conspiracy. People are making alliances for, you know, who's going to get who when. Um, you're on your own in that game. Uh, um, and you don't want to accept help from anyone. Uh, or, or if someone else accomplishes something that we can't accomplish, I just don't like that person. Or I'm, or I'm jealous of them. Or I want what they have, but I want it for myself. But some ways are, are better than others. Um, and the way of trying to do, uh, trying to do enough by ourselves is not worth struggling, because we can't do it. Um, but instead, God has sent Jesus as a new way, um, looking to the one who's done all for us so that we can be accepted by God uh, through him. Um, uh, that as it says back in chapter 5, before it goes on, this, uh, goes on this aside, working into Jesus being a priest, according to Melchizedek, it says of Jesus that being made perfect, we can't be perfect. Jesus being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This way, the way of Christ is better than all. It's, it's the only way that we can come to God, focused in Christ as our priest, even as the passage wants to bring out for us, if we've never heard of Melchizedek before, Christ as a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, some ways are better than others, and we just want to go through the passage looking at it this way. A better priest, a uh, better hope, and a better salvation, seeing who Christ is. Uh, and first of all, we see that Christ is a, is a better priest. There's a contrast being made. The Hebrews has contrast all the way through. And here the contrast is with the so the Levitical priest of the Old Testament, right? The, the ritual system there, um, that they would offer sacrifices, offer gifts before God for the people. But for, but for most of us, we, we get to that point, better priest, and we're like, wait a second, like, like what's the point of a priest anyway? Um, why, do we, why do we have a priest? Why, why is this pastor talking about a priest? How do we, I don't, what, what does that even mean? What's the point of, of a priest? Maybe it's, maybe it's someone that you can, you know, someone that you can go to, that you can cry to when you, when you can't handle problems yourself. It'll kind of bear some of that with you. Maybe, maybe it feels like that's someone who will tell you that things are okay, tell you things are good um, when, you feel, when you feel bad. I don't know what different ideas we have of priests. Uh, but the idea of priests uh, from Hebrews is that it's, it's someone who, um, who stands in for you, someone who stands in for you uh, to represent you, uh, especially before God. That's Hebrews 5.1. Uh, a priest is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. When he stands in for you. Right, it's one thing to, to walk up and introduce yourself to someone, right? feels awkward sometimes. You don't know the person. Like, do they want to know me? Why am I going to meet them? You're just kind of breaking in and saying, hi, I want to meet you, right? And it's, it's especially awkward if that's some really important person, um, I uh, just got an email of, uh, what, next week sometime, there's the, uh, whatever's happening, where 
TK is going out and the new president's coming in. You know, it'd be, it'd be fun, but it'd be a little awkward if you're out there to, and you want to just go meet the new president to just go up and say, hi, my name's David Story. You know, just feels, it feels awkward um, not to go meet someone. Um, but it's, it's different when someone else does that introduction for you, right? Um, when there's someone else who knows that person, has trusted that person, um, that you know as well, and they say, they say, come on, I want to introduce you to you. Uh, it's especially great when they, like if they know you and they like you, and have, if they say good things about you. It's really fun to be introduced to someone and they're like, oh, this is, this is my friend. They're, they're great, one of the smartest people I know. I'm really excited for both of you two uh, to meet one another. You know, and you just like, feel good about yourself. You come in with confidence and they're, they're not like, who are you and why are you walking up to me sticking your hand in my face? <clears throat> they're excited to meet you because they, they know that person that you're, that you're coming through. Uh, or when you're looking for a job, right, it's, it's, it's all about connections. All about, it's all about having uh, the right connections, the right person to, uh, to get you there. The better connections that you have, the more important people, the better your, uh, better your chances uh, maybe of getting, uh, getting that job. An employer who might uh, look over your resume and just nothing jumps out of the page um, uh, might still, uh, if someone else is stepping in for you, Coming out to they trust is saying great things about you. You got a good chance of getting that job. Um, so what makes a what makes a good connection uh, for for a job? All right, someone who can who can stand in for you. Someone who uh, someone who knows important people is trusted by important people, but respects you and can can draw you into it. All right, that's that's kind of like the role of a priest. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm working here. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of like the role of a, of a priest um, between you and God. Now, it's, it's not like a priest can go and tell God, um, here's this great person I know, and they're, they're really, they really are perfect. Can you please ask them, right? Or, uh, or I know they're not perfect, God, but they're trying really hard. Um, can't, you, can't you take care of them anyway? That's not the, not the role of a priest. But it's, it's a scary thing to think about standing before God. Think about who God is and how, uh, what way maybe that we can relate to Him to talk to God. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's difficult just considering what God might think about us. Maybe some days we're really excited and we think about, we think about God's love and different things. Other times we, other times we know what, what we've done and we know that we wanted that sin more than we wanted God. And it's, it's kind of a scary thing to think how, how maybe God uh, thinks about us. And, Need someone who's trusted, who's respected by God, who's approved by God, who can who can step in for us, who can who can introduce us uh, to God, and and far more than that, who can intercede uh, for us and speak on our behalf, which is Jesus as our priest, as our Melchizedekian uh, priest. You can you can practice saying that word, Melchizedekian. It's show off to all your. Uh, a theologically minded friends just confuse everyone. So, so who's this Melchizedek person? Why is Hebrews talking about this Melchizedek? It only shows up a, a few times in Scripture. Hopefully we can get you there. It's really, it's only mentioned Psalm 110, Genesis 14, and here in Hebrews. Um, but I want to remind you as we look at it that the author of Hebrews, and especially in this passage, he's not concerned about Melchizedek. Um, you, he's not talking about Melchizedek. His focus is not on Melchizedek, and our concern shouldn't be focused on Melchizedek. It's about Jesus. It's about learning more of who Jesus is as he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. It's uh, verse 3 
as it says in this way about Melchizedek, that he's re- resembling uh, the Son of God, resembling Jesus. Uh, he continues to be a priest forever. So as we hear something about Melchizedek, it's teaching us about who Christ is for us as the one who stands in uh, for us before God. We can trust him. And here's the main thing, as you see some of the things that talks about Melchizedek as a priest, um, is that, uh, that Melchizedek is someone who's uh, more important than the most important people. That's part of it, at least. He's more important than the most important people. So he's talking about Abraham, right? Um, however much you know of, of Old Testament things. Abra- God came to Abraham. Abraham is mentioned as, as the patriarch. He's, he's kind of almost the founder of the religion in a human way that they would, that they would think about it in, in some senses. That God came to Abraham uh, multiple times. He spoke to him and he made promises to him. He made eternal promises to him, world-changing uh, promises to him. And, and Abraham, honestly, is one of the most important individuals in history. Remember, when you think about the way that God has, has worked. But, uh, but Melchizedek is more important than Abraham. Um, he's only, only mentioned this one verse back in, in Genesis. He's, he's more important than, than Abraham, right? You see it in verse, uh, verse 7 there. Uh, beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. I'll be honest, I didn't know that before I, before I read this passage, how blessings work superior to inferior. But beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. That Melchizedek's the one that blessed Abraham, so Melchizedek is... More important, he's superior uh, to Abraham. Um, to put it this way, Melchizedek's more important than Abraham. He can introduce you uh, to Abraham. More than that, he's a priest of the Most High God, so he's a priest for Abraham, to represent Abraham uh, to God. And Abraham, as the pastor describes, gives him a, a tenth of the spoils, right? This is what they did, they give a, a tenth to the priest. It's not like Melchizedek, he was a king, right, king of Salem, but he didn't go out with Abraham into the battle, um, he, he didn't deserve from, from any warlike efforts to, to get part of the spoils, um, but Abraham gives him a tenth of it. Um, and Melchizedek is blessing him and praising God um, before him and as superior. And if he's more important than Abraham, then he's also superior to, to all the other priests. As, uh, the priests of the Old Testament were, were the Levites. Levi was a son of Abraham, and so the Levites are sons of Levi, the son of Abraham, and Melchizedek was greater than Abraham, so Melchizedek has it over the, over the Levites. Melchizedek's priesthood stands uh, above that, over it, more important than it. So the point is, Jesus is more important than all of them. Um, and especially to uh, early Jewish Christian and dealing with some of this persecution, there's a heavy sense of the importance there. Uh, but even more, the point is that Jesus is better, uh, the superior, even the perfect uh, priest for us. He is the one that we have to represent us before God. All right, so how does that help you in the struggle to believe, right? Like, right, Melchizedek is important, Abraham, Jesus is more important than, than all that. How does that help in the struggle to believe? If you, like, maybe if you can just say Melchizedekian like five times really fast, it'll give you extra spiritual bonus points. And then God will like you more. Like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? How does that help you in the, in the struggle to believe? Uh, chapter 6 is already given the warning not to, be, not to be dull in hearing, not to be lazy. Say, so, Melchizedek. All right, maybe the next chapter will be interesting. Um, 
But to hear who Jesus is from this, from this passage and say, I'm not going to be lazy in hearing this, but it should transform uh, how I live and seeing who Jesus is, that I would rest in him more. Um, so we tend to think of our spiritual life, don't we, as, as between us and God. In my religious life, my spiritual life, um, I might tell you something about it, maybe I'll let you ask me something about it, but it's between me and God. And it's just not true. Um, and it's a good thing that it's not true, um, because we don't, we don't have enough good things to say about ourselves uh, before God for him to approve of us, right? Especially when he knows beyond what we say. But we're not important enough to, to earn God's uh, respect in that sense. It's not just us, uh, us and God, but Jesus stands between us and God. Standing in for us, representing us before God. Uh, Jesus is our permanent priest who stands before us. That he's able to introduce you to God. And God's excited uh, to meet you, to know who you are, uh, because Jesus is giving approval of you. Uh, that we can be accepted as Jesus is introducing you, because he's the king of, of righteousness, that's what Melchizedek means, the king of uh, Salem, the king of peace. Uh, he's placed his perfect righteousness on our account. He's suffered in our place what we deserve. He's given us his righteousness, so he's able to say good things about us because it's the things that he's done in its fullness and perfection that he's placed on our account. So when God looks uh, at us, he looks at us in Christ, and he continues as our priest uh, forever in all things, in all our mistakes. <clears throat> so the struggle is to believe that Jesus' priesthood is what represents us before God. Because I don't, sometimes I don't feel like God likes me because there's things about me that God doesn't like. A whole lot of things uh, about me and what I've done that don't fit with what God wants. I uh, struggle to believe that it's, not, that it's not my resume that represents me before God. It's, it's Jesus as my priest who represents me before God. Jesus as a perfect uh, priest forever who represents us. Uh, for us to rely on Christ's merit uh, rather than what we can do. Uh, Jesus is enough for us and God promise, God's promises are freely given to us in Christ. His blessing on us. Uh, we, have, we have a better priest uh, in Jesus Anything we can bring from ourselves or that anyone else uh, could stand in for us. Jesus stands in for us as that better priest. A better priest, have a better hope. In the middle part of the passage, uh, 11 to 19 or so, goes in to, to speak of. Right? There's a lot of things that we, that we hope for, maybe. Uh, you may hope to get good grades this semester. Uh, you may hope that it's going to snow tomorrow. I think, uh, I think that'd be kind of fun. Uh, you may hope not to get another speeding ticket. If, uh, you may hope to have a wonderful uh, Valentine's Day coming up to meet to someone special. Maybe later in life to get a, to get a great job, uh, to, have, to have a wonderful life, whatever the things are, right? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping for the, for the RUF IM soccer team to win the playoffs entirely. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for, right? Um, but we have, uh, we have varying degrees of confidence in, in those hopes uh, that, we, that we place. And Hebrews speaks to us of a better hope. Uh, uh, a better hope because it's, we have more confidence in it. It's a full, confident hope. And it's also a hope of a better substance. See verse uh, 19. Um, 
But on the other hand, uh, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. That hope is Christ and what he has uh, done for us. A hope through which we draw near to God. John, John 17 reminds us that, that life, uh, that eternal life, is, is knowing God. It's knowing God and in Jesus Christ whom he sent. Or you can picture uh, the, the, the picture that Revelation describes for us of the glory of being in God's presence. It's, that's life abundantly. Uh, or even just thinking about the privilege of being, being able to, to speak to God, uh, being heard by God, being answered, being taken care of, approved uh, and loved by God, being drawing near to Him, being close to Him. Like, you know, Daphne and Alice, uh, my little girl, they, uh, they get scared sometimes. They love to be close to me. Uh, I come home and they, uh, it's, it's wonderful. Like, I want to give Daddy a hug. Or I'm going to argue up there. Like, I want to give Daddy a hug. Um, they feel safe. They feel loved. They feel accepted. Um, we can draw near to God. We are safe. We're accepted. We're, we're loved. Uh, not in the arms of an of a earthly father, but a heavenly father who owns and is created and rules all things. A God who's holy and just and yet looks upon us uh, with a smile of affection because of the righteousness of his son for us. We have a better hope. We have a better hope and that better hope is of perfection. That's kind of the whole struggle you know, that we were talking about in the beginning. Like, I'm not, I'm not perfect. God's requiring perfect perfection, but, but I don't have that, right? So you look at the way that he's contrasting this with the Levitical priesthood and all. Uh, but he, he says, uh, verse 11, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, what need would there have been for, for another priest to arrive? What need would there have been for Psalm 19 to talk about this, this messianic uh, Christ anointed a king who was also a priest after the order of Melchizedek? And he goes, and when this priest actually arises uh, in, the, in the person of Jesus, what do we see from that? There's a, there's a change in this. It's not, uh, it, it's, it's not that Levitical priesthood. And it says in, in the beginning of verse uh, 19, the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, better hope is introduced. Not of not being able to be made perfect, uh, but of Christ who is perfect. Uh, verse 28, of points of son who's been made perfect forever. Uh, Christ who is perfect, uh, making us, per- clothing us in his perfection before God. Our, our better hope is a hope not of, of imperfection, of, of unattainable perfection, but of one who's accomplished perfection for us. What God requires, and all the fullness of what God requires, Christ has done it. The struggle is to let ourselves hope in that and not everything we see from, from how we're screwing up. But looking in Jesus and that he would actually care to being perfect, still save us. That's why he came. That's why he lived. That's why he died and is, is raised again is for our salvation. Um, uh, according to the standard of the law, we're, we're not perfect. We're nowhere close, especially when you hear Jesus filling out uh, the standards of the law, right? And it's not just some of those actions, but it's your, how your heart uh, thinks about it and, and responds to it as well. So it's not just not having killed anyone, that's excluded, um, but, uh, but not having hated someone in your heart, right? Sometimes that comes out of assassins. You start to see the, the desire for that, that assassination to be uh, uh, more hurtful. Um, uh, that we're nowhere close. We're constantly breaking all the commandments. Even, 
Even just take those aside, even just according to our own standards. Maybe you're like, I don't care about the Ten Commandments. That's whatever from a long time ago. All right, I, I'm, willing to, I, I'm willing to say, if you're going to be judged on your own standards, of what goals you've set for yourself, of what you said I'm going to accomplish in my life, or how I'm going to change, what I want to be like, how close are we to getting there? But does it show our own imperfection? That we tried, we failed, maybe we're still trying, maybe we'll get there, but we're not there. We're incomplete, we're imperfect. We're fallen. But Jesus, uh, Jesus, after the order of Melchizedek, is a priest who makes perfect. Not that we're perfect now, but we're covered by Christ's per- perfection. And the question is not, uh, will God let you come near him? Because, right, we're often, we're often ashamed, we're often guilty, we often feel unable to come. The question is, will God let Jesus come near him? And so that question is always yes. In fact, it's a question that's already been answered because Christ, uh, being raised to life, ascended to heaven, and is, is in the very presence of God. That he, the Hebrews already said he's, a, he's an anchor that's already gone before us through the veil in the presence of God. So we have an anchor that holds, holds us so we know we can come into God's presence because Christ is already there. Not a question of will, will God let me in? Will He let Christ in? And am I trusted in Christ? Because in Christ I can come, in Christ I'm covered, in Christ I'm seen as perfect in God's sight. The joy and the freedom of the gospel is what it brings into our lives. Uh, I'm not left floundering over all my, all my excuses for trying to be good enough or trying to compare with my Christian friends or trying to uh, be good enough for the other people that are around me or even my own standards. But, dang, Jesus has done everything that God requires of me. I'm loved and I'm accepted. It cannot be taken away. Forgiven, I am His. We can draw near to God into His love. Because Jesus is the better priest of our hope. That's what we should have hope in. That's what we have our confidence for where that hope leads. And it leads to a better salvation. A full salvation. Right? A better priest we see in Christ. A better hope and a better salvation. Because frankly, we don't need... A little help, right? Like you soccer ball goes and someone else can see it. Like a little help, a little help, right? It's not, it's not like that. Uh, we don't need a, a bit of assistance to kind of get it on, on us on our own two feet again. And then we can maybe get down to things that God's wanting us to do. We don't, we don't just need someone to do a few of the big things. You know, I'm pretty good, but yeah, there's been some mistakes and there's things that God says that I can't do it in all that fullness. And maybe, maybe someone will just kind of come in and do those big things uh, for us. That's not what we need. Well, we just need someone to cover up our mistakes, um, as we've aimed at be, being good. We need a full rescue. We need a rescue from all our bad deeds. Uh, we need a rescue from all our attempts at good deeds. That's what Scripture calls our filthy rags. It's our, it's our attempts at righteousness. God, look how good I'm being. Um, and it's pharisaical hypocrisy of, of pride and arrogance that rarely is motivated by a love of God or, or a love of neighbor. Um, we need a rescue from that. We need a rescue of our inability, of our, of our false attempts at success, our dead works, as Hebrew describes them, our false obedience. Our rescued God's condemnation from us, uh, of us, God rescued, rescued from ourselves, rescued from not being able to get our life together. But we have confidence in a full rescue uh, from hope in Jesus, a better priest. I love verse 25. Consequently, because of who Christ is as a Melchizedekian priest, consequently, 
He is able to save to the uttermost. That's the, that's the salvation I need. Um, so that he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession uh, for them. Jesus is a permanent priest uh, for a permanent salvation. That's what it's talking about, about the other side of the Melchizedek thing, right? The, the order of Melchizedek acts into that permanence. He, he lives, right? It, it testifies about him uh, that, uh, that he lives, uh, it says back at the end of, end of verse 8. That's it. Melchizedek's kind of sneaking around somewhere. And you're like, where is, he, where is he staying? Does anyone know how old he is at this point? Um, Psalm 10 speaks of the order of Melchizedek as as your priest forever. Because that's what the order of Melchizedek is. Because, Jesus, because uh, the way he's looking at it from Scripture, as it speaks of Melchizedek as a priest, it doesn't give him any genealogy of who he came from. It doesn't list the beginning of days or an end of days. It just says he was a priest, and then he, then he goes out of the picture. He's a priest, he's still a priest. That order still continues. Um, and so Jesus, through his resurrection through his perfection, through, as it describes, the power of an indestructible life through his perfection, is a priest forever. King of righteousness and of peace. So he can save uh, to the uttermost. Because there's nothing that's left undone by him. Uh, I make to-do lists. I need to make more. I don't even put all the things that need to be on the to-do list on the to-do list. And then most of them don't get scratched off. Um, yeah, that's pitiful. Thanks for laughing. Oh, it's true. Um, man, if I was trying to write down a list of what all I was supposed to do before God, yeah, that's that that not... Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. All my attempts at success, all my failures, he's able to, to save to the uttermost. Everything that's required, he's done. His perfection, his righteousness. He's reconciled us to God. He's made a peace with God for us. Everything necessary for our salvation, he has suffered on our behalf, he's achieved in our place. We need someone to stand in for us. Maybe not just to introduce us to someone, but to, like, to, to, to do the job for us. Uh, to do all we're supposed to do. Christ has achieved it on our behalf. And as we continue to struggle, fail, sin, to mess up, our priest also continues uh, forever continually making intercession for us, uh, speaking of his atoning sacrifice that's earned our acceptance, uh, sending his spirit for our encouragement and help, interceding us continually to bring us home uh, to God. It's a struggle. Um, but we're able to persevere through the hope uh, in Christ as our priest. You say some ways are, are better than others. Uh, when it comes to the gospel, all... Other ways are, are weak and useless. That's how it describes uh, in the passage the, uh, the, the old way. It's, it's weak and useless. Even the pattern of the Old Testament without faith in Christ as a source of that salvation, it's weak and, and useless. Or say the same thing for, for other religions or other non-religions but still hopes that we build our life uh, around. They give us some hope for a little while. Analysisism, atheism, that gives you a bit of freedom for a while. Oh God, who's judging me? Um, enlightenment of, of Buddhism or Eastern religions, uh, the moral uh, superiority that you can feel of having it all together uh, from Islam, Mormonism, or uh, false Christianity, a whole host of others. But you're still left to yourself. Uh, what you're able to do, what you're able to experience, uh, what you're able to accomplish, 
It's the gospel that gives you hope outside yourself. Uh, someone standing between you and God, and so far from being weak, uh, it's complete. It's perfect. Everything's been done. Resting in Jesus, who does everything for you. If you're kind of outside of faith, figuring out, what does the Melchizedekian priest have to do with my pursuit of Jesus? Right, like, what, where, where, where is all these things? How does it, how's it bring in here? It's, it's a struggle not to believe that it can, that it can be okay. Uh, to feel like, so it feels like it's up to us, and it's, it's hard to accept anything else. It's hard to accept that it's not just up to what we do and how we, how we are able to achieve. So you look into Christianity, and when there's uh, admittedly too much that goes under the name of Christianity, it's just kind of a moral perfectionism, or can we have our life together or look better than other people? It, it, maybe it's hard to see. That's our own tendency. That's our natural tendency. It's all about me. It's what I can do. Uh, the gospel is something different. It's that Jesus, as our priest, has already done it. Um, and let him introduce you to God. That God will be excited to accept you and welcome you into his presence for what Christ has done. That, that you rely on him instead of yourself. And as you, uh, as you struggle and fail, that he constantly intercedes for you. That you remain firmly accepted in God's sight. Our inside of faith, it's, um, it's the same struggle. It's um, still a struggle when you see your own failure, uh, when you see your sin, uh, when you see how much it seems to grip you too tight, when you see how your mistakes pile up too big, too many times, over and over again, uh, when you just feel stuck in the pit. It's not about you. It's not about even all those, all those failures. Uh, Look to, look, uh, look to your all-important, uh, perfect, permanent priest that is Christ. Your Melchizedekian uh, king priest who has stood in before you, uh, before God. He allows you to draw near to God in full acceptance. Some days may feel better than others, but in Christ, every day is that day of salvation. Every day, regardless of my obedience, my spiritual encouragement, or my spiritual failures and wrongs. Perfectly accepted, safe, loved, and cared for in God's eyes. As Christ stands in for us. This is our hope. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, we, we like the sound of the gospel. Um, we like the truth of the gospel. We would like that um, and a lot of other things in our life to, to be the way that it, that it goes, that someone else could stand in for us on a, on a, a, a physics test or a soccer game or uh, get everything done right. And that's, that's not how everything works in the world, and it makes it hard for us to believe um, that that would happen. We usually wouldn't stand in for someone else, even on things like that. That you stood in for us uh, where it meant um, your death, where it meant your rejection uh, from God, uh, that we would have salvation. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us uh, strength of faith, not just believing hard enough, but understanding through your spirit uh, that we would rest in Christ. We would give up clinging to our own uh, feeble efforts, uh, weak ways that we've tried to do well enough. And Lord, let us know the glory of the gospel of your acceptance and love for us, our free justification in Christ. 
Uh, Lord, we uh, pray that you would work this in our hearts, uh, that we would share this with others, that you might receive the glory. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.